I'll tell you what was happening, Ventana. This computer was committing a civil disobedience. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with you, I'm sure. I'm sure, I'm sure. You know, for 15 years, the Monsantos of the world have tried so hard. You know, it's a miracle. Some communication still happens in my life. <laughs> you think, you think, uh, you know, there's nobody, first of all, let me introduce you. This is my hero, Vandana Shiva, who I've known for many, many years, who has been uh, a role model for me, really. She's, uh, she's about 40 IQ points smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> she was, I know you study, I found out because I was reading your biography today, and I didn't, as long as we've known each other, I did not know that you did your, um, your doctor's thesis on quantum physics or whatever it was, but it was, it was very, but it was quantum physics, right? Was that what you studied in school at some point? Yeah, and that's still what guides my work, the non-separation and the potential, you know? <laughs> so those are the two things that will I, get the mechanistic thinking out of the world, yeah. We are connected and we all have potential, including civil disobedience. <laughs> so Vandana Shiva is um, is currently is head of Nandav, Nandava, right? Navdanya, Navdanya, which means nine seeds. And but I first ran into you when you were running the Chipka movement back in the 1980s. That's when I first heard about you and this extraordinary leader in. Um, in India, who was um, who was organizing women to protect forests and trees, and all of that. Bobby, I wasn't I wasn't a leader. I was a, a student, and I was volunteering. and uh, And the leaders were the women, and they were my professors. You, yeah, I, that's what I you always said. say that's the university. I went to Western uh, University of Western Ontario for my PhD to figure out quantum theory better. But I went to the Chipko University to figure out biodiversity. And Bobby, just the other day, the mafia has taken hold of poor David Attenborough. What? To launch portfolio management on biodiversity, like portfolios on land ownership, as if value to biodiversity was not recognized by the Chipko women. You know, I think that is the clash we are living through. You know, the, the billionaires wanting to turn everything into their portfolio and the ordinary people saying, no, we want to protect our land. Our farmers protesting now for six months for the land. That's what they're saying. It's what not are, the no, I, what, like, I, I apologize for this because I've seen on the international news these huge, vast gatherings of farmers now in India who are marching on the cities. And so tell us, because I know you're right in the middle of that, but let me just introduce a little bit more about you. Vandana Shiva is one of the great grassroots leaders on the planet today. She's won every prize that you can win from people who care about uh, grassroots, uh, women's rights, about um, intellectual property and seeds, particularly and in GMOs, in forest protection, um, in chemical agriculture versus 
uh, the kind of agriculture that, that Bandana fights for and has led, led us all in the wars against Monsanto. And, uh, and I've been hanging out with you for many, many years. I don't even remember the first time we met, but just an extraordinary, extraordinary leader. So, and I want to talk to you about it, Bill Gates tonight and about, you know, his theft of seed and his purchase of the land and his, his move to create a new feudalism on this planet and, uh, and get the farmers off the land and the billionaires onto it. And um, but if, let's talk first about current events and about um, what's happening in India with these, these marches that you're involved in. So Bobby, the, <coughs> you know, my life was around physics and quantum physics. And of course, the Chipko movement. I was uh, from a very young age, an ecological activist. But it was 1984. Your dad was a forester, right? My father was a forest conservator. Yes, I learned a lot from him. And my mother was uh, a refugee from the partition, you know, when India was split by a line drawn on a map. And, uh, and she said, well, I've done everything. I've broken every glass ceiling for women, and now I'll be a farmer. So she became a farmer, and my father was in the forest, and we lived between the farm and the forest. And, uh, and they were wonderful people, you know? I mean, their values, their, their life has given the, all the values I live, of fearlessness, of truth, of never giving up, and, um, and loving nature very deeply. But you know, my involvement in agriculture begins with 1984 when there were similar protests against the Green Revolution. Now, the Green Revolution was first implemented on Punjab. And uh, was it was important. That was so people know that was a program by the Rockefellers, originally Rockefellers. Yeah, exactly. And World Bank. And, World and uh, so the World Bank, the USAID, the Rockefellers, they had a package working for a while on how do you get to move these huge amounts of chemicals, the fertilizers, the pesticides, um, after the wars, you know, those factories should have just shut down. And instead, the Rockefellers, who were very much involved in the IG Farben and Hitler experiments, I mean, there's so much reports on there. Um, you know, the oil came from the Rockefellers. The chemical agriculture is a fossil fuel agriculture. They provided the oil and the Germans provided the science. And the Rockefellers, also the private bankers, provided the finance. And so after the war, it should have been an end to chemical warfare on this planet. And instead they worked on saying, how do we change agriculture to make it more adapted to chemicals? And, uh, you know, our plants are bred for multifunctionality. So we have tall wheats and tall rices, and even our animals are dual purpose. The bull, bullocks will pull the plow and the cows will give you milk. So we never do one dimensional thinking in India. And the fact that so many Indians are heading so many institutions is they're living on the leftovers of multidimensional thinking to push the world into one dimensional artificial intelligence thinking. But at that point, Borlaug was picked up from DuPont Defense Labs to work 
on changing the plants. Now, the, you know, the U.S. had st stolen some wheat from uh, Japan during the war, and there was rice from, uh, from Indonesia, and they m changed the plant, made it dwarf, in order to not what's called lodging. I call it the civil disobedience of the plant. The civil plants were saying, don't want you chemicals, go away. And they changed the plant. And this was all done by Norman Borlaug, who got a Nobel Peace Prize. And 1984, farmers are being shot, farmers are being killed. And I'm saying, this was about to be, it's supposed to be about peace. He gets a Nobel Peace Prize. 30,000 people have died in Punjab. The story doesn't hang. Same year, the Bhopal disaster. So the protests of today are a continuity of that. And they're a continuity of protests we've had since 1991, which is a watershed for this neoliberal globalization imposed by the World Bank, which first got us into debt. You know, I mean, that's how the Shylocks of the world work, right? Get it into debt and then want the pound of flesh. And the laws that the farmers are fighting against are the pound of flesh that the World Bank had demanded 91, except that they were pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So right now, the protests are huge. Farmers aren't stupid. Farmers know what they're fighting against. And they say, we are fighting for the soul and the soil of India. Government keeps talking about prices. Oh, you'll get more incomes. Farmers say we are fighting for the soul and soil of India because if we aren't there as farmers, this civilization is dead. If we aren't there as farmers, this soil is dead. They've witnessed how the soil has got degraded with the chemical green revolution. They have witnessed how the monoculture commodity farming for the Pepsis under the contract farming, which is one more law. So Pepsi came into India after 84 and we did a you know, suicide started in the potato bells. Pepsi, for a 20 rupee package of potato, the farmer gets 0 0.04 paisa, which is an insignificant amount. So the, when it's chemical agriculture, GMO seeds, and globalized trade by agribusiness and agro-processing industry, in average, farmers get 05 to 4% of what a consumer pays. But the consumer pays not just the price of that junk food in the package, they're paying for the price of junk food in their health. And that's why the work you're doing, Bobby, you know, on the issue of health, particularly children's health. I see the industrial agriculture and industrial processing and the industrial mindset as, as invasions into our bodies. Earlier it was happening indirectly, you know, the cancers, through the toxics, you've been fighting the case on the Monsanto bio cancer cases. All that is an invasion into the body. But now there's a conscious denial that there's a harmony between the soil's health, the plant health, our health, and our gut microbiome is a rainforest of diversity. And if it doesn't receive diversity of food, and it doesn't receive fresh food. It is like a war against our gut microbiome, which is 90% of us in terms of biodiversity. We are 10% human, 90% are the beings who keep us healthy, who make us, and the war against our bodies is 
at its last stages, but it's happening at a time where awareness on health is growing so much, where awareness of biodiversity is growing so much. And now they're thinking, oh, what we did when colonialism started, just changed the mindset, call them barbarians, civilize them. I mean, they're basically carrying on the civilizing mission narrative. And that's why I wrote my book, Oneness Versus 1%. I said, Bill Gates keep talking about innovation. All he's doing is colonization. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I've basically shown how it's colonization. Right. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And I have a piece that I interviewed you for extensively that's running in the Defender this week about Bill Gates's new feudalism. Uh, you know, it came out, the U.S. papers finally recognized a little bit the tip of the iceberg of what's happening because they discovered suddenly that he was now the biggest owner of farmland in the United States of America. He did this health campaign to take over our farmland. Nobody knew he was doing it. He was buying it through shell companies, Cascade Investments, and other. And what I do is, in this article, with your help, is connect what he's doing in this country. He's also investing in Alphabet, which is um, Google's company and developing robotic farm workers that will replace farmers. He's developing um, artificial intelligence and stealing the knowledge as he did in India, as you know about, from the little farmers. He put cameras in their homes, in their fields. He did, he put sensors everywhere figure out how they were using the, the seeds. And then he took the seed banks, there's 15 seed banks around the world that store all of the heritage seeds of humanity, 786,000 species of seeds. They're there for humanity, for the commons. And he has taken over that seed bank, consolidated it, and is now privatizing it and changing the genetic makeup of those seeds make it so that they are chemically dependent so he can patent all of the life that has been developed through 20,000 years of agriculture on this planet. And you know, you, I want to start with telling this story about a little bit what happened during the Green Revolution, which was started by the Rockefellers, mainly in India and Mexico. Gates moved it in, uh, in the early 2000s to Africa. Gates and the Rockefeller Foundation. And they started doing the same thing there. And it's the same thing he did with vaccines. It's, there's a human problem, which he says is hunger and, or disease. And I'm going to solve it with my technology, which is GMO crops, patented seed, synthetic food, foods, chemical agriculture, pesticides, petroleum-based fertilizers, monocultures, and he went into 13 African nations and forced them to do commodity agriculture to accept his inputs, built the supply chain, and now there's 131 million people starving in those nations. The starvation rate has gone up by 30%. And he's now trying to do the same thing to the rest of the world. And I know you've been active in Africa and fighting them there for many, many years. And you know, have really helped alert the world about this. What are you up to? It's not about farming. It's not about food. It's about taking over our land and giving us really unhealthy food. Well, yeah, Bobby, you know better than anyone how we are witnessing 
both the patterns of the old colonization of 500 years. And I think it's very important that Black Lives Matter wakes up to the Gates empire, which is a racist empire. You know, uh, they might appoint at their heads or give a few jobs, but the mindset and the structural processes is where systems get decided. Uh, while he's using that old mindset, of course he's using new tools. And the new tools are basically the genetic engineering. And I'd started Navdanya, which means nine seeds, uh, which is diversity, when I was called at a meeting in 87, where the old poison cartel is saying, now we'll own the seed. We're not making enough money by selling chemicals. We've got to make it illegal for farmers to have seed. We will own seed as intellectual property. And we'll have an international law called uh, the WTO trade-related intellectual property to force farmers to have GMO patent seed. I said, but this is so wrong. This is an empire over life. And I took a commitment, I'm going to save seeds. I'm going to work with our government on uh, laws that say plants, you know, animal seeds are not patentable. Let so, me interrupt you for a second because there's a lot yeah. of people who listen to this who won't understand why GMO seeds are connected to chemicals. And let me explain very briefly. What happened is Monsanto bought, when, when DDT was banned in 1974, and it was Monsanto's product, they bought another product called glyphosate. Somebody had taken this, it was a tank cleaner. Somebody had thrown it out in the backyard and saw it killed all the grass. And Monsanto said, this would be a good weed killer. It, it made it a weed killer, marketed it as a weed killer, and, um, and it had, you know, farmers would have hundreds of farm workers wearing backpacks, sprayers, spraying the, the, the weeds in the cornfield before, before the corn got too big. Then, in 1994, Monsanto, somebody put some of this, this uh, glyphosate on the ground and there was one weed that didn't die. Monsanto took a gene out of that weed that made it resistant to glyphosate and they put it in corn. And now they had corn that if you sprayed it with glyphosate, it would not die. Well, now you can fire all those farm workers and you hire one airplane that saturates the entire landscape with glyphosate and the only thing that lives is that GMO corn. And that now is the biggest pesticide in the world. I think 80% of the pesticides in the world are that, and they have now bred all kinds of all of our grains and all of our foodstuffs and fruits are now being genetically engineered so that they are resistant to Roundup. So that you can dump this stuff all over the landscape. What we find is the way that it kills plants is it sucks all the minerals out of them and destroys the building blocks of life. So the food that you get that has that Roundup in it doesn't have the minerals you need. You can have a full belly. But you can be dying of malnutrition. And that is one of the things that you really have articulated better than anybody. You're so right. So whether it was the Green Revolution in India where Borlaug married chemical fertilizers to dwarf varieties of plants, or Monsanto steals basically a ready-made Roundup glyphosate, makes it Roundup, and then 
this, you know, they sued every company that was doing genetic engineering that so they could buy them out. They never did any work. Monsanto, none of these companies have done any work. They've just sued and sued and sued. And uh, the genetic engineering and patents and chemicals go together. And now the same Rockefellers that started the chemical industry with the IG Farben and also started the entire irresponsible pharmaceuticals. You know, we've had medicine forever. And Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine. <laughs> Our Ayurveda says, Annam sharva oshadhi, that good food is the only medicine and bad food has no medicine to cure the diseases it causes. It's all known. 100 years of bad, you know, what is it called? I mean, there's, there's a lovely word of oil, oil snake oil, snake oil, yeah, <laughs> selling snake oil. And, uh, and now the big, big pharma, big tech, big IT, and big, they call it fintech, you know, financial technologies, basically using digital speculative measures and portfolios, turning the land into a portfolio, the biodiversity into a portfolio, and thinking it's some smart economics. And sadly, um, poor Attenberg went and said, ecologists don't know biodiversity. Economists do. Because money-making, and Aristotle had said, economy is the art of living. Cribantistics is the art of money-making. So now in the art of money-making is big ag, big food, big tech, big everyone, wanting to get bigger like a cancer cell. And the new Gates Ag 1 is this conversion. It's one year old. Last year in January, he announced it. And as he says, time is the enemy. Well, only stupid people think time is the enemy. Wise people know time is your friend that tests the best out of you. After all, Mr. Gates locked us all in for one year. And time has taught us what wonderful friendships and love is about. It has taught us about enoughness and simplicity, what we can do without. They don't realize there's a living world out there. And I feel Mr. Gates, besides having the, the disease of the cancer cell, not knowing when to stop growing, healthy cells know how to stop growing. Um, I think he's got a disease of power, you know? And he has a disease of fear. Because I said, why is this man so afraid? of the tiniest microbe and so afraid of the tiniest small farmer protesting on the Indian streets today. Why is he so afraid of a plant that breeds for free? And why is he so afraid of democracy that if India says no to GMO rice, the golden rice, a fake uh, solution to gold blindness, or the BT eggplant, which we threw out in 2001 through our government ministry, through seven public hearings, where the government listened to the farmers and listened to the citizens and, and listened to the And those were GMO crops that he tried to force yeah. on India and India threw them out. But he moved to it, Bangladesh and Pakistan with his GMO cotton. He doesn't want anything except yeah. the GMOs. But he also moved with the golden rice to Philippines, for which there's a huge movement, no golden rice. And this comes back to the seed issue. So when the Green Revolution was started and the Rockefeller and the World Bank were taking all the seeds from farmers to force them to have the Green Revolution seeds with chemicals, these 15 seed banks were created and all our seeds lie in this. Now, Gates has taken control of this public system of seeds. And the rice 
um, seed bank in uh, Philippines where the work on golden rice is being done, the GMO golden rice. The reason it's important for following that is one, all the seeds of rice are there. We bought 200,000 varieties of rice and our top seed scientists refused to part with the seeds. They said, this is our heritage. This is our civilization. We cannot let the World Bank get hold of it. World Bank made sure he was removed from his position as the top scientist of his time, Dr. Risharia. He taught me about seed saving. He is my teacher. And the, so when Gates get hold of the seed bank in Philippines, and then he does golden rice, he's now preparing. And this is where we need the civil disobedience, Bobby. We all need to join hands. This year, World Food Day, 16th October, or before that food summit, which he has hijacked. Let us <laughs> do a civil disobedience against force feeding of bad food, whether it be lab food like Impossible Burger, etc., or it be golden rice, because he's preparing for biofortification to be made compulsory. Okay, let me, let me, just, let, me explain, compulsory. let me explain what Vendetta is saying about the food summit. So, and most of the people who watch this show know that in 2010, 2009, Bill Gates went in front of the United Nations, pledged $10 billion to the, um, to the World Health Organization. Most of it ended up coming from government, not from him, but he put in a couple billion. And he declared a decade of vaccines. Nobody paid much attention to him. But he was the first unelected official with no diplomatic portfolio to appear before the United Nations, and he made this declaration. Immediately, he started putting all of these uh, wheels spinning. He created all of these groups that, um, that fight anti-vaccination, and he started promoting vaccines all over the world. Then, in 2019, nine years later exactly, the World Health Organization, he created all of these quasi-governmental organizations. CEPI and PATH and Gavi that everybody thinks are government, but they're just Bill Gates. He took over the World Health Organization during this decade. Every, even the Financial Times said no decision is made at the World Health Organization that is not run through the Gates Foundation first. And then in 2019, the World Health Organization comes out in January and says that vaccine hesitancy is one of the 10 greatest threats to global health. Did they offer any scientific study to prove that? No, they just stated it. Immediately, the world fell in order in 150 countries. Legislatures, politicians who are on the payroll of Big Pharma began pushing vaccine mandates and abolishing exemptions. In the United States, within three months, 100 bills in 50 states had been entered into the legislative process to mandate vaccines and to ban exemptions. Months later, Adam Schiff, who'd been taking money from Gates, the head of the Intelligence Committee, comes forward and says, tells the, the social media CEOs, Pinterest, Facebook, Google, all of them, Instagram, YouTube, you've got to start censoring vaccine misinformation. And then we had the roll up to 2020 and 2020 in January, 
right on time for his decade of vaccines. We get COVID. Fauci, who's his partner, puts $48 billion into pushing vaccines. Gates gets on TV every day saying, we cannot, until everybody gets vaccinated, we have to keep, stay locked down. We're going to crash the global economy. To all of you do what you're told and get your vaccine. He paid for studies to kill ivermectin, to kill hydroxychloroquine, to discredit them. And, uh, and, it was, it's, and to develop, we, we spent in our country zero dollars on antivirals, on off-the-shelf antivirals, researching them, vitamin D, all the things we know that, that reduce fatalities for COVID. None of that was studied. None of it was recommended. Instead, all of the money, $48 billion, went to vaccines. Now, he's reproducing that. He has succeeded with his decade of vaccines beyond anybody's wildest dreams. And now he's gone to part two, which he's declared the decade of food. And he's doing the same thing. It's all chemical food. It's synthetic food. He owns Impossible Burgers, Beyond Beef, all of these things which are loaded with pesticides. And he's trying to make, a, and he's getting the farmers off the farms. He's taking over the farms with his robots and his artificial intelligence in India, in Africa, and now in the United States. And, um, and giving us unhealthy food that is contributing to the chronic illnesses that are going to make us addicted to his medications. Oh, you know the rest of the story, and, and, and you tell it better than anybody. <laughs> Well, I think what people who, who love life and love freedom should be preparing for now is A, the fact that yes, with his Gates Ag One, he wants one agriculture on a planet with so much diversity. Our wetlands with rice are very different from our dry lands with millets. Our uh, pond systems of Bengal are very different from the desert systems of Rajasthan. And the one agriculture he wants is this externally driven system where to the chemicals after the wars are added the GMOs, which became our post 1990s with the WTO and they were spread and with the patenting. And now he wants to add digital agriculture farming without farmers. And of course, the narrative today, just like then it was, we'll grow bread from air because we fix nitrogen by burning fossil fuels. Well, that was a myth. They've ruined the land, they've ruined the oceans, they've ruined the climate. 300 times more deadly than carbon dioxide is the nitrous oxide that gets emitted from nitrogen fertilizers. So they said the soil is empty. I call it terra nullius. That was the legal jurisprudence of the colonial time. Then they patented the seed and made it look like life is empty. I called it bionalius. And Mr. Gates is creating his new empire. I call it mentinalius, empty mines. We'll empty out the mines by mining data and patenting it and turning everyone into zombies and evaluating them and assigning them value. And as the research said, you will own nothing. No, they will own everything. You will own nothing. And it'll all be theirs. So no commons, no public good, no shared values, just money, money, money in their hands and them being an extractive machine. So because since 91, everything has been tried in the in an era that created the gates. He wasn't 
as rich as he was, till the deregulation of finance and deregulation of IT. The first WTO meeting, he managed to become duty-free and tax-free for trade in information. That's how all of these tech giants became so rich. So now, what? So at that time, the WTO said seeds will be patented before that, and most seeds are not. The second thing was the Cargills will trade in agriculture and there'll be no national sovereignty system to protect the rights to food. That's what our Indian farmers are fighting against right now. And the third was what they call sanitary and phytosanitary measures, which is ban good food and make junk food the only option. This is why we have chronic diseases. Now Gates is taking all this to the next step. Oh, there were laws created to prevent me from stealing. I'll do digital genomic mapping and undercut all the international laws. And on international trade in food, if movements are growing for real food and food sovereignty, let me create fake food in the labs and create starvation and hunger through lockdown so there is no food and destroy the farmers and do farming without farmers. And, and why worry only about Pepsi and junk food and Coca-Cola, who are also the world's biggest polluters in plastic? No, no, no. What we'll now do is make totally fake food and we'll make the right to good food a crime. Just like a right to know your health, the right to have the right medicine, the right for entire societies to have deep medical knowledge, that all that is turned into a crime. Let me, We've seen let me, this happen over you, 30 years. Let me give people an example of what you're talking about. Um, Gates owns a big stake in Philip Morris, which owns craft food. And, um, and also owns General Foods. Oh, and they make processed foods. So they make American cheese singles and, and uh, cheese whiz. What they, those are so devoid of nutrition that the government makes those companies put in vitamins, vitamin A, vitamin C, et cetera. There's some vitamins in them. What Gates is doing now all across Africa and all across the world is he's passing laws. He, buying off politicians and, and forcing through mandates for fortified food so that you will not be able to sell food in markets in Africa unless it's fortified. Well, the food, the, the goat cheese that the farmer makes in, you know, in Maasai Mara in Kenya is not, does not need fortification. It already has all the nutrients we want in it. But that farmer will not be able to sell that goat cheese in his local market. Instead, Cheese Whiz will be the monopoly there. And that's one of the ways that he's using what Antana is saying about him illegalizing health or making outlawing healthy food to open up these markets and compel us to eat his dirty, filthy, poisonous food. Yes. Two quick things. Two quick things, Bobby. You know, Philip Morris was also the responsible for the high fructose corn syrup that's totally synthetic sugar that has caused cirrhosis in the liver in babies and is added to every food because it's addictive. The second is, you know, India is such a land of diversity and richness. We always say in Hindustan, you know, diversity is our way. We have so many snacks and so many mitais and so many foods. You can't taste the same thing in three places, you know? It's all unique. They banned all this. I have watched it disappear. They banned our cold-pressed virgin oil mills five 
million was shut down in 98 when Cargill and Monsanto wanted to dump GMO soya. We've watched this happen. So it's important to learn the lessons of the Green Revolution, of globalization, and now see how the concentration of all this in the hands of a Bill Gates is accelerating what was put in place. And we should do everything we've done to prevent a total takeover of our seed, our food, our freedom. And Danashiva, we're out of time. Thank you very much. Tell, uh, tell people how they can support you and your work. Well, for anyone who's listening, the first is uh, earlier at the farm, we had learning experiences of how to learn from the earth and grow good food. But we right now are having these as Zoom courses. And you can go to the website of Navdanya, N-A-V-D-A-N-Y-A.org. You can become uh, a seed warrior, a food warrior. Write to me at vandana.shiva at gmail.com. And we also have an international program called Navdanya International, where we've just done a report, Gates to a Global Empire. You want to know more about what Gates is up to, read that report. It's available to, for a free download. And let us make this year the year of transition away from the Gates Empire to the freedom of all life on this planet and all people of this planet in all their freedoms and in all their diversity. Okay, so Vandana Shiva at gmail.com. No, Vandana dot Shiva. Full stop in the middle. Vandana dot Shiva. Vandana dot Shiva. V-A-N-D-A-N-A dot S-H-I-V-A at gmail. And by the way, my name is Shiva because my parents fought caste. And they said, we're going to take a name that's not a caste name. And say so they, they took a name of a divinity. And, uh, and she, you know, we, you, in Christianity, there's a trinity, but we have millions of divinities. The grass is a divinity, and the soil is a divinity, and the rivers are divinities, and the Mother Ganga is our mother. And it's beautiful. India is so beautiful in recognizing that divine forces are in all life, and you must therefore protect them. But we also have, a trinity, and there's Brahma, the creator, Vishnu, the maintainer, and Shiva, who destroys bad systems to create new ones. Let's join hands to create new systems. <laughs> Perfect name for you, Vandana. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, and uh, follow Vandana, and you can read my article in the Defender this week about uh, our collaboration with Vandana Shiva. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.